This is Wellness 101. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are back again for another exciting installment of uh, Wellness 101. And with me, as always, is Aaron. I'm your host, TJ. And... Uh, yeah, so we've spent the last uh, couple of weeks talking about thyroid function, in particular low T3 syndrome. Yeah, or, I'm guessing no one would have ever imagined there's so much to cover. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we might actually finish this topic up today. Yes, and this is not even our first thyroid show. <laughs> we get applause for that. And thankfully, thankfully the uh, audience, studio audience, is glad that it's over too. Um, all right. I'm glad so, that the, that it's over. Glad that they will have the wealth of information that they've had nice. from the last three shows. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you, Liz. You're welcome. That's our lovely producer, Liz. She has wonderful insight from time to time. There, <laughs> wonderful. So, all right. So, low T3 syndrome. We talked about it at the very beginning uh, in the first show. So this is three weeks in a row. So if you uh, Last week was July, what, 2nd? The week before that was July or June 20-something or other. Uh, yeah, go 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 check them out if you haven't listened to the first two because we're not going to do a lot of recapping here. We're going to, you know, jump right into, into where we left off the last time. The last time that we were talking, we left off with autoimmune hypopituitarism. Um, yeah, it's a mouthful. Um, we also said that we're we're abbreviating that LAH um, just for that's how it's referenced in the research. Um, so LAH, we were talking about it with the the whole what it is and how it works and all that. So if you want that, please go back and listen to last week's issue. Where we left off is we were talking about how is autoimmune hypopituitarism treated? How is LAH treated? And we talked briefly about the conventional model doesn't really treat it very well at all. Um, they don't treat it very well because they use immunosuppressants, things like prednisone, methotrexate, but the risks and side effects of those medications can often be worse than autoimmune hypopituitarism or LAH itself. So the first step to do is to make sure that you're eating a diet that's free of foods that tend to provoke an autoimmune response. So really and truly, you need to figure out what your food sensitivities are. If you really want to get down to it, eat the things that are that are good for your body because what's good for you may not be good for your next door neighbor or your friend down the street. You got to eat what's what's good for you. Yes. That being said, there are some things that are not good for anybody. And that is true. <laughs> and we know that. Um, so I know we talk about this a lot, but um, removing dairy is important um, and gluten and if you don't want to get your food sensitivities checked, uh, glute, uh, removing eggs can be beneficial also in nightshades as a lot of people end up being sensitive to those. The problem that we see a lot is that when, you know, if this is actually considered and a doctor actually finds this, and usually it'll be an alternative medicine practitioner, that that's all that they will do is say, right. you know, oh, you need to change your diet. And that is, while it's an important step, that is not enough to fix this and i think that's where people get frustrated is it's i mean we i think we all know it's not easy to change your diet it's not easy to eat healthy it it is once you start doing it for a while but to actually make the change um and cut some of those things out is not easy and to do that and not see a difference in how you're feeling 
makes patients really frustrated and right. rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and in all seriousness, I'm pretty sure Erin spoke more there than she has the previous two shows combined. <laughs> I can talk about food. <laughs> <laughs> she just jumped right in there and threw yeah. in a lot of information. That's absolutely correct. It's one of the things that is frustrating for a lot of patients that come to see us is they everybody took years to get to where they are, but they want to get better overnight. And this is just not an overnight thing. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes energy. And, you know, you got to be doing a lot of different things all at once. One little thing isn't going to fix the problem. Just focusing on just one piece of the puzzle isn't going to cut it. So diet is one of those things. Another thing is to is to focus on nutrients that help your immune system function better. And in particular, we're talking about T cell, uh, T regulatory cells, um, which are, are part of an uh, immune cells. It's one of our immune cells. I'm not really going to get into it too much. You can look it up. T regulatory cells, things like vitamin D, glutathione, and then other nutrients that support just overall immune health, um, vitamin C, iodine, selenium, all of these things, zinc, all these things are really, really important in helping a properly functioning immune system to to operate. And if it's if you're missing some of these things, there's no way possible that your immune system is going to function. And we know that that most Americans don't get anywhere near what they should be doing. I mean, I was watching TV the other day. I saw a commercial for uh, uh, I forget. It's one of the one of the big one a day type multivitamins, and in it they said that something like eighty percent of American adults don't get enough, don't meet the daily requirements in the in the vitamins. Right. It Which is probably the only accurate thing that's in that commercial. Yeah, because well, yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> if you're relying on a one a day, probably is not going to help you much. I yeah. Um, Sorry to say that, but I I can appreciate the effort, but it's not doing much for you. Yeah, if you're, if you're just getting 100% of your recommended daily allowance, all you're doing is getting 100% of preventing the disease associated with that Plus, you're not actually deficiency. absorbing that 100%. No. If you're doing a one-a-day, you've got fillers in there. You've got not, you know, not always the correct forms. It's just good marketing, but not a good supplement. And the thing is, we were talking about diet um, and how important it is to change your diet for any autoimmune condition. That's really important. But part of the reason why that's important is because we need your gut to be functioning properly. And that could then lead to these nutrient deficiencies. And we've talked about this many times before, but one of the ways that we get around that, we kind of fix you more quickly than we would be able to with just, you know, just changing diet or just with nutrients is by doing IV nutrition. Right, right. Any Anytime you can bypass the gut, you're, you're not having to deal with the body's ability to break down, absorb, and then be able to utilize the nutrients. If you can just bypass the whole digestive system, which is usually broken to begin with, that's how you got in the situation that you're in, you're able to bypass all that and deliver those nutrients right to the cells where they're, where they're needed and Pretty much every single person after they get their first IV comes back and they're like, oh, my gosh, I felt amazing for a while after that. Right. And that's not not uncommon. Right. Something exactly. that happens. And even those who don't, you know, it may take a few, but right. it will make a difference. Right. So. right. so another thing that we employ at the Institute is a prescription medication, low-dose naltrexone. This can be extremely beneficial for anyone who's suffering with an autoimmune condition, something like Graves or Hashimoto's, or in this case, autoimmune hypopituitarism. A lot of times we don't recommend pharmaceuticals because they 
tend to just suppress symptoms and they don't really improve function yes, at all. Anyone who listens to our show or follows us on social media or has been a patient knows that in general, pharmaceuticals are a last resort right? as a general rule. However, low-dose naltrexone actually improves the function of the body because it upregulates some some very specific endorphin production and helps to balance the immune system. And it's really kind of cool because typically someone takes this prescription at, right before bed. It helps them sleep and all of this stuff takes place while they're asleep. So it's like your immune system, you know, we heal and repair while we're sleeping. That's why we get tired when we're sick. That's why we're, you know, why we need to rest and why I'm why rest and, and sleep is so important for optimal health is why we also recommend that we get plenty of, of sleep. But when you can provide something to someone that can help that immune system function even better while they're sleeping, I mean, it's a one-two punch. Right. And it helps recovery go so much quicker than it would with just one of, or you know, the other strategies. And when you're helping the patient and not doing any harm, we want to do it as quickly. You know, we want you to recover as quickly as possible. So it low-dose naltrexone is a way that we're able to do that. Right. Okay, so enough about that. So let's let's go back to talking about low T3 syndrome. We've got, uh, we've already went through about 10 minutes here. And we've got a lot of information that we've got to cover as far as how to help treat low T3 syndrome. I know this is the show that you've all been waiting for for the last two weeks since we've uh, gone on and on yes, about low T3 syndrome. How do you actually fix it? So one of the questions is that, that I had and have had and a lot of people have asked and I've answered this a million times it seems like is whether or not thyroid hormone replacement therapy is actually an appropriate treatment for these types of cases. And Unfortunately, there are there are not very many studies that have za- examined the question specifically and even fewer that have actually tried to figure out and parse out whether or not sup- or, uh, prescribing T4 or T3 or which type would actually be the best one. So, you know, my whole theory as a as a practicing physician, as a doctor is to first do no harm. So, it's extremely important to pay very special attention to this because a lot of people come to us and they've been taking thyroid hormone. They've been taking Synthroid or Levothyroxine or some other thyroid medication and they, they're they like, it's not helping. What you're doing isn't working and or what I'm doing isn't working and no one seems to, to know what to do. Well, we have to pay attention to that. So that's what always raises the flag to me of, well, is this actually what they needed in the first place? Right. And and a lot of times it isn't, is what you see. And I know from personal experience, because I had been put on levothyroxine, and not only did I feel worse, I had less energy and I gained weight, which are the things that most people are told will be fixed when they go on levothyroxine. Right. So I know from personal experience that it did the opposite of what I was told it would do. Right. The only thing it did was lower my TSH, but who cares if you're not actually feeling any better? 
That's that's exactly right. It's all about helping someone feel better. There's it's it's almost impossible to heal if you feel bad. That's right. what I've I've come to realize is you got to get people feeling better first, and then once they feel better, then they feel like they can conquer the world and they can do stuff and they're actually making progress, and that gives them positive outlook and right and, and gives that, them some momentum. Yeah, without that momentum to start you off, it's really hard to get through the recovery. Right. Okay, so we've got to take a quick break here. Um, when we come back, we're going to finish talking about whether or not you should utilize thyroid hormone as a treatment for low T3 syndrome. You're listening to Wellness 101. is Wellness 101. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. TJ. With me is Erin. Say hi to everyone out there in listener land, Erin. She's, she's actually speaking this week. It's, it's exciting. <laughs> We're talking today about, our, in our third installment, uh, talking about low T3 syndrome. We're talking about thyroid function. This is an advanced class for these last three weeks on thyroid function. Um, we've been getting a lot of response, a lot of people asking for a lot of questions, and hopefully we can get to a few of those uh, before we're up today. Um, but before we took off to break there, we were discussing whether or not thyroid um, or low T3 syndrome should be should be treated with thyroid hormone. Um, and I'm not – the answer is I'm not really sure. I don't believe so. Um, so – and I believe it was our first part one of this series, we talked about how the thyroid actually manufactures thyroid hormones, T3 and T4, and we we make a lot more T4 than we do T3 in a 17 to 1 ratio, and then our, our T3 is way more biologically active, five times more active, but we convert this T4 into T3 in our tissues. And so a lot of, you know, the tissues such as Liver, sixty percent of this takes place in the liver. Gut is another big, big, uh, big area of conversion. Skeletal muscle, brain, the thyroid gland itself. So these organ systems and tissues have to be functioning properly. So if we just think about low T three syndrome, and we just think, okay, should we throw thyroid hormone at it? Is it really that we're not making the T three, or is it a physiology problem? Is it a is it a tissue problem? Are we just not able to convert it? Are they low because the body is trying to conserve energy to better cope with the stress that it's under? That's the question I have, and that's oftentimes what we. Figure out is going on. There, there's stresses in people's lives. There's there's chemical stresses. There's emotional stresses. There's there's all different kinds of stresses that that people have, and so that affects our body tissues. And if we're not able to convert this stuff, that's the problem. So increasing th- thyroid hormone level could, in all theory, have adverse effects. And like Erin said a second ago, she had uh, was prescribed levothyroxine, and it didn't really help at all. And in fact, it made her feel a whole lot worse. Yeah, and and it was subtle, and it was over time. And I think that that is what it it made a lot of sense why 
you know, so many people go through this, seeing how what it did to me because I didn't know. It's not like all of a sudden I felt horrible. Right. It was very sudden and it was very gradual that I, you know, started feeling worse. I was sluggish. I was gaining weight. And I thought, you know, I... It, Maybe I need to up my dosage is what I actually was thinking when once I was turned, I was um, switched to Nature Throid, a T3 supplement. It made all the difference in the world. I was like a new person. Yeah, exactly. But it has, it has T3 and T4 in it. Um, well, I'm not the doctor. You're right. right. Well, I just <laughs> want to correct that out there for everyone listening. It's like, wait a minute. That's not correct. We know. It, you know, she, she knew what she was talking about. Kind of. Um, yeah, for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So. So we were also talking right before break. I said I made the comment that maybe this low T3 syndrome is the body's trying to preserve energy because it's dealing with a, with a chronic illness. So what's interesting is with research, the changes that are observed in the thyroid axis in acute illness are similar to those that are observed while someone is fasting. So they haven't eaten for hours at a time. This can be interpreted as an attempt to reduce energy expenditure and and slow down protein protein wasting. So given fasting subjects, thyroid hormone results in increased catabolism or breakdown. So in cases of chronic illness, it's not really as clear what effect thyroid hormone replacement has. Um, a lot of it is because that there very few studies have been done and the ones that have been done actually showed mixed results. So it's really hard to to parse out from a research standpoint. And you know, we've talked about this before. Research studies are oftentimes flawed because they're trying to to pin down to one very specific thing and measure one little bitty thing without looking at the whole picture. And there's there's a there's this built in like we want to help everyone. As a researcher, you want to help as much as you can, but we know that we can't test everything and, you know, give one little thing and test it all. That's just it's not feasible in research. But we also as a clinician, as a as a PhD and a clinician, I see that I see both sides of the fence. The researchers are out there trying to do the best that they can to get as much information correct as they possibly can, and at the same time create a big impact. But from a clinical side, you can see that well, they only measured this one little thing that has absolutely nothing to do with what else is going on in the body, and so you have to you have to put on a clinical hat too. And that's where research can sometimes miss the boat. So I just kind of went off on a little tirade there. Sorry, but that's where we can't always rely on research. Sometimes you have to have somebody that really, truly understands the physiology of what's going on and gets you from point A to, to point X and skip over a few steps in between because we understand the physiology and the research just isn't there. Research is always behind in stuff like this. So there are studies out there that show that that treatment with thyroid hormone actually causes harm. Others are showing that there's really no change. And then there's others that show an improvement. So after going through this literature, the, the conclusion that I've basically come to is that T4 is rarely, if ever, effective in low T3 syndrome. So taking levothyroxine or Synthroid is rarely, if ever, effective. But T3 replacement has been shown to be consistently beneficial only in patients that have cardiac conditions. So those that have had heart surgery or heart failure or transplant. But with that being said, there are anecdotal reports out there. Doctors talking to doctors that, you know, patients talking to doctors, et cetera, et cetera, that basically people are reporting improvement who 
have taken replacement T3 hormone. Right. And well, and I know that, you know, you certainly see that in the clinic. I mean, that generally they do improve on um, T3. And again, you know, talking about, well, levothyroxine and Synthroid is rarely, you know, effective with low T3 syndrome. And actually, I mean, it it actually causes harm in some cases. Um, Most people have not been tested. So all they know is that they have low thyroid. They don't know if they have low T3 syndrome. Right. So I think one point that I want to make sure comes across is that this isn't something that you would know if you have that, you know, well, your doctor would tell you you're actually dealing with low T3 syndrome. You haven't heard of it because doctors aren't testing for it. Right. They're not they're not even looking. Right. Because it wouldn't make a difference because they're going to give you levothyroxine. Right. Very rarely are they going to give you anything else. Right. So to them, it's a wasteful test because it wouldn't it wouldn't change the treatment. Right. Sad, but true. So let's let's step back here for just a second. Can I say one more thing? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, this just, you haven't um, talked for two weeks, so yeah, you might as well go ahead. And get it all in. Built up. Well, because I just it just dawned on me that this has come up numerous times. I know with um, women, not only I mean because we tend to think of uh, thyroid issues coming a lot in middle age. We see this so often with people struggling with infertility, and they've been put on levothyroxine, and not that le- taking them off levothyroxine, putting them in nature thyroid is going to instantly make everything better. But it has, and it could, and we've seen big changes with right. people who have just been put on the thyroid, you know, replacement that they actually need. So I just want to point that out there that, you know, if you are someone who is struggling with infertility, this could be a big issue. And probably your doctor is only giving you levothyroxine, and that may not right. help. And, and believe it or not, we actually have some people that come to the clinic for this, and th- I'm like, okay, what's your TSH level? Your doctor talks to you about, you know, what your TSH level needs to be and and why it's important. And they look at me like I have three eyes. They're like, no, my my doc didn't say anything about that. I'm like, okay, well, this is what it is, and this is why it's important. And then they they tend to get a little frustrated. I'm like, don't don't get frustrated. Maybe your doctor just didn't know. But this is why we need to do these sorts of steps, and this is what the the next couple of months is going to be for you. So, and I I would recommend if you are having fertility issues. Try not to show up at the clinic like 30 days before you're ready to go because it may take longer than that, just so you know. Right. Because um, I've had people do that too. They're like, oh, well, I'm supposed to have my IVF treatment in you know three weeks. Uh, well, I will barely have the information back that I need from you in three weeks. Right. So that's going to need to be delayed or we're going to have to figure out something else. Yes, and I know that that can be frustrating and that's come up before. You know, I mean, nobody wants to postpone it, but... Right. Sometimes the best thing you can do is postpone it. Yes, because, I mean, and, you know, I know that we've got listeners in both Missouri and Illinois, but in Missouri where it isn't covered, that's a lot of money to spend um, on a treatment that may not work because, you know, it could be easily fixed with the right thyroid. Right. So we were talking about evidence. You know, there's stuff showing, you know, for and against and maybe nothing and, no, and you know, in inconclusive results. Remember this. Lack of evidence is not evidence against, okay? Just because there's not research out there doesn't mean that it's not going to have an effect or it's not going to work. That just, don't let, don't fall into the trap of like, well, there's no research that supports this. Well, 
you're right. Maybe there's not, but there's also a lot, not a lot of research that supports a lot of stuff. There's not a lot of research that supports several different types of topics. There's a, there's not much research that supports anything other than pharmaceuticals, right. really, because that's who's funding the research. Right. So, and we know that a lot of the research, um, you know, articles are actually incorrect. I mean, they, people have come out and actually said right. that a lot of those aren't right and Fifty percent. Fifty percent. We just had a I just read a, a thing the other day on a whistleblower case of of somebody some lab at Duke falsifying all kinds of records and and it was like several million dollars, multi million dollar thing. And you know, whistleblower laws, they can recoup like three to ten times the amount of the money that was spent on that whatever they're blowing the whistle on. Right. So, I mean... But these pharmaceutical companies in a lot of cases are making so much money... That's true. ...on the research that that's, you know, it's worth it. That's true. All right, we got to take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what you should do if you think you have low T3. This is Wellness 101. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Today we're talking about our well, we're 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 completing the third installment of low T three syndrome. I'm talking about thyroid health. And yes, this is the third. I mean, this is the first time that we've done three shows on a topic. Three, three shows on one topic. Yes. But thyroid is that big, and we get that many questions about it. Yes, and that many people having issues when they come to the clinic as well. I mean, it's just this and heart disease and diabetes are. Yes. Just boom, boom, boom. I'm telling you. So before the break, we were, I don't even remember what we were talking about. I know what we're talking about now because I made a little note. We were talking about research articles. Oh, yeah, research articles. How we, you can't really trust the fact that, you know, there aren't research articles proving something. Correct. doesn't necessarily mean it's the case. Correct. I was paying attention. Yay. <laughs> I was just rambling aimlessly, I guess, not paying attention to what I was saying. So, okay, so what do you do if you think you may have low T3 syndrome? Well, the first thing and the most important thing is to get adequately tested. I cannot stress the importance of this enough, right? This means that we have to have full thyroid panel testing, not just TSH and maybe T4. Once in a great while, they'll run a T4. For some odd reason, the gold standard in modern medicine is to test for thyroid function and measure TSH only. Well, Like I said in the first week, and I probably said it last week, this is a huge problem for me because of the stuff that we've talked about. TSH is a pituitary hormone that's merely telling the thyroid what to do. TSH isn't actually measuring thyroid hormone levels at all. It's more like grading a teacher's performance by how well kids perform on a standardized test, but we never check to see who's actually grading the tests or we never checked on the people who are recording the tests. The graders may, may not even be able to read or speak English, and it may be monkeys recording the scores. We have no idea. This is just ludicrous that we're looking at something that's not even a thyroid hormone. Right, but it's it would be a proper measure if the body's functioning correctly, right? Right, but you have to test the rest of the body too, and that's my next right. point. Well, I mean, I just think there is probably I got I'm a little lamped up there. Could you tell? Yeah, a little bit. Um, <laughs> I flailed my arm and everything. <laughs> um, 
Well, I'm just thinking there's a reason why this became the standard. And maybe back when our, you know, we were not eating the way we are and we weren't, we didn't have so many toxins, our bodies weren't um, functioning so poorly. TSH may have been a more accurate standard to go by. Am I wrong or? I, I, you're you're talking about something I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I'm yeah. I'm but just what I can say, here, what I I'm... can say is that we evolve and knowledge has evolved, but testing is stuck back in the Stone Age right. here. We know that TSH is not an adequate standard to go right. by. We do know that it, in this day and age, that it is missing. We've said this over ninety percent of cases are you know I mean uh, of hypothyroidism are actually Hashimoto's autoimmune yeah. hypothyroidism so missed because only TSH was checked. So that is a horrible, um, you know, success rate. I, I, I actually remember running a test on someone. They had thyroid anti- thyroglobulin antibodies that were elevated and thyroid peroxidase el- antibodies elevated. And I said, look, you have autoimmune. And this person said, well, I'm going to go take this to my my other doctor and and see what they have to say i'm like that's perfectly fine and i remember them coming back and sitting down with me and saying well my doctor said that this doesn't matter because these numbers aren't high enough <laughs> I, I i almost fell out of the chair i looked at this person and i said are you kidding me what this tells me is that your doctor has no clue what to do for it and is just blowing it off and making fun of it and saying that it's not relevant when it's the most relevant thing in your health your body is trying to attack and kill an organ in your body yeah most, well I a mean, gland but still more commonly a doctor will say yeah, that does mean that there's something else going on. You need levothyroxine. Right. <laughs> it's just So, I mean, usually they do get, they won't test it, but they can usually look at it and say, oh, okay, this isn't where it's supposed to be because the test actually tells them this is out of range. So it's not like it's hard to read the test. I can read the test and I have no clue what I'm doing because it says to you it's in a different color and it will show this is not normal. Right. But even when they can see that, the treatment is always the same. The treatment is always levothyroxine. Yes. Yes. It is. I got a little amped She up did there. get a little amped. <laughs> I she... wasn't flailing my arms or anything, but. <laughs> no, you weren't, but you were, boy, you were pointing yeah. at the desk really hard. Was I? Yeah. <laughs> so you made a comment there at the beginning. You said that something about the entire body, and I, I said that's my second point, is making sure that we test the rest of the body. You know, a lot of people come in and they're like, how much is it to just check my thyroid? And I'm like, well, that's the most common question that we've gotten in yeah. our past few and I'm weeks. like, okay, we can check just your thyroid, but it's going to do us no good. We can look at you and say, hey, guess what? Your thyroid isn't working. Uh, how do I fix it, Doc? Well, I don't know because I don't know what the rest of you is has going on, and I don't know where else you're broken. We can so- address the thyroid. But if we do that, we could be missing what the actual problem is. Right, <laughs> right. So – the, remember, the thyroid is oftentimes acting in response to what's going on in the rest of the body. We explained earlier, both today and in, I believe, week, in, week one of this, that that thyroid hormone, or T4, thyroxine, is converted into the active T3 in various tissues throughout the body. The liver, the gut, skeletal muscle, brain, even the thyroid, all right? So testing the function of these also important. We have to know if they're working because it's logical to think that if we have a dysfunctional gut, we would have difficulty converting thyroid hormone from T4 into T3. Or if we had a dysfunctional liver, we would also have 
a difficulty converting T4 into T3 or a dysfunctional brain. All of these things, if they're not functioning, it's very logical to think, well, maybe I'm not able to actually convert the thyroid hormone. Ding, ding, ding. Right. Go, 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 so gadget. fix the dysfun- dysfunctional liver or, or brain dysfunctional or whatever. gut or brain or yeah. whatever and, and fix the thyroid. And then the thyroid fixes and you don't need, so I mean... I think in that, you know, example, you can see by just fixing the thyroid, we're still leaving the cause of the problem. Right. And that's what we're, you know, the whole clinic was founded to avoid. Right. (laughs) So we also talked about inflammation having an effect on free thyroid hormone levels. This was in a previous show. There are different markers for inflammation that are looking at inflammation in different areas of the body. We've got to test these as well because testing these and making sure there's not a hidden source of inflammation is extremely critical in your overall health. We also discuss things like chronic infections. They are common, common sources of inflammation in the body. Making sure that you don't have a hidden chronic infection is important as well. And I'm talking about infections all over the place. You know, things like having Epstein-Barr virus in the in the past, having uh, cytomegalovirus exposure in the past, having a root canal that has gone bad and you have a hidden infection in your in your jaw or in your teeth. Or even without a root canal. Or even and without a root canal. you still have a hidden, yeah. That's infection. exactly right. And, you know, I'm, I'm very particular. I refer people out for that to get checked on all the time because those those are actually extremely difficult to pinpoint. You got to have somebody that knows what they're doing to find those types of infections. Right. Just because you see your dentist regularly does not mean that you would know if you have an underlying dental infection. Right. Surprisingly, right. it could be down underneath the gums and right. they wouldn't be checked. Right. That's exactly right. We just had a patient here maybe a month ago that she went in, she got checked, and they found a massive infection in like, uh, I don't know, she had something repaired. I don't remember exactly off the top of my head. I remember her calling and saying, this is what I have going on. And she had her dentist on the phone and we talked and we talked about what we were doing and how we were giving IVs to support and, and help her immune system function better. And she's doing amazing now, but boy, was she in a world of hurt. Right. And, you know, she had to have a lot of dental work done. And you know what? If that's what it takes to get her to feeling better and and to turn her health around, then that's what it takes to turn her health around. Right. And it can be surprising to a lot of people because I think we kind of assume that if it was a hidden dental infection, you would know that. Right. You would be having, you know, horrible dental pain and that isn't the case. It could be an underlying infection and simply affecting the way that your immune system is able to protect you from anything else that comes along because it's so busy fighting off this hidden infection. Right. And there are other sources of inflammation. Things like toxic mold exposure. These environmental stressors are tough and toxic mold exposure is a big one. Another one is heavy metal exposure. If you're not getting tested for this stuff, they're missing something. Yes. You've got to make sure that you don't have heavy metals. We find them all the right. time it on people. It is shocking how many people have um High levels of heavy metal yeah. in your system. I mean, I talked to a person just just this no last week. no reason to have it. I right. mean, no known reason. Right. I talked to a person just this last week. He's got crazy stuff going on in his, in his health. And I said, does your house that you grew up in have lead pipes? And he's like, well, yeah. I remember my parents replacing the lead pipes in the house. And I'm like, okay, did they replace them from the house back to the back to the street, to the to the source? And he's like, I don't think so. So St. Louis is an old city. We've got a lot of lead pipes around out there. A lot of us were exposed. That's just the way right. it is. And it's not like we're not – the city's trying to fix that. They're they're trying to remove those things. But that's just how things were done 50 to 100 years ago. 
probably closer to 100 years ago. But these are things that have big impacts on people's health. Right. We didn't know it was bad. We didn't know lead was, you know, that bad back then. Just like we didn't know tobacco was as bad or asbestos was as bad. You know, I mean, we knowledge has, you know, we've moved forward. And now we know that these things are right actually playing a huge part in a lot of illnesses. Right. In fact, we actually, I mean, we all seen the little memes and stuff on, on Facebook and things where they're like, this was a, the commercial that was in the magazine talking about how doctors, four out of five doctors smoked camels right. or whatever they were smoking back in the day. So we know the things are, we, that we missed things back in the past and we're trying to fix those things and use common sense, science-based information to help us help people get healthy. Um, We've got to take another break. We're going to continue on with other things that you can do if you think that you have low T3 syndrome. You're listening to Wellness 101. Exciting third installment of uh, low T3 syndrome. It's been uh, glorious, to say the least. Aaron has talked. Yes, yes. All the applause from the studio you audience. Twice. Today. Yeah, that's unusual. <laughs> it's unusual. The audience they're they're excited that we're we're wrapping this topic up. Um, so when we left, we were talking about things that you need to do if, or things that you can do if you have if you think you have low T3 syndrome, and we were talking about. Um, what did we talk about before? All of the different notes? testing that oh, yeah, needs testing. to be ran. My yeah, gosh. And that it does need to be thorough testing. And yes. I know that's frustrating to a lot of people um, because we are used to going in. I mean, you want to know what's going on with your thyroid. You get your TSH checked and that's covered by insurance generally. And your doctor says, well, we ran a thyroid panel on you and your thyroid's functioning fine. Yes. But their words for thyroid panel are two components almost always. TSH and T4, and that's it. Right, and then you come into the Institute of Natural Health and you hear, oh, wait, I need to test all of this stuff. Right. I mean, it is different than what, you know, you've probably been exposed to before. And right. I know a lot of people get frustrated, but, I mean, the fact of the matter is um, if you wanted the wrong answer, you know, we could give you that without any test. Right. <laughs> so really right. the TSH was even unnecessary. Right. <laughs> if you want the right answer, the tests are going to have to be ran. Right. That's exactly it. We got to get to the get to what's going on. We actually have to test and figure out. Because if we're not testing, we're just guessing. And that's not good doing anyone any good. Right. And that's basically what you may have been had had taken place before that. Right. You were given a false sense of security thinking that the correct test had been ran, that everything was fine, or that if they, it wasn't fine, you were given what, you know, your only hope was to make things better. Right. And then you start second-guessing yourself, well, maybe I don't feel this bad, or maybe this, you know, or maybe this is as good as it gets. Right. And that's what I think the position that so many people out there are in. and because yeah. Because they have to get frustrated enough to actually seek out a different way of doing things, and that's usually when they show up in our clinic. Yep. So another thing that's important is to making sh- to make sure that we get adequate levels of nutrition. Too often, I feel in this country, doctors are 
very quick to tell patients that diets don't really matter or that su- dietary supplements don't matter. Eat what you want. No one in a developed country has ever been deficient in whatever, blah, blah, blah. I completely disagree with that at to my core, okay? If we had adequate levels of nutrition, we would have significantly less levels of chronic disease. I mean, it would be, if people got all the nutrition that they needed, I would almost be out of a job. That's a fact, ladies and gentlemen. If we got what we needed, there wouldn't be chronic disease. We would have way too many doctors in this country. I mean, 80% of us have a chronic disease for crying out loud. The the national average for vitamin D, we're just going to talk about vitamin D, something completely off the wall, is 27. The lower limit for medical testing is 30. So we're nationally, our national average for vitamin D is deficient. And we don't actually get benefits from vitamin D until our levels get up to about 65. That's that's where we actually get hormone right. benefits We're from about vitamin medically D. Deficient. That's m- medically deficient. <laughs> this is ridiculous. We can do better. Right. And but I mean, while diet is important, diet isn't the only thing. Because I know that we recently we've had a number of patients come in who had been seen by other so-called functional medicine practitioners who were told, you know, oh well, you need, you know, they ran the tests and they were told, oh right. well, you need to fix your diet, and that isn't enough. It's I mean, not enough. That may correct things over the next 10 to 15 years, but who wants to wait that long to feel better? That's ridiculous. And you're not going to stick with something that doesn't make you feel better in a shorter amount of time than that. So it's, you know, unfortunately, you know, just running the correct test isn't even enough. You have to have someone who knows what they're doing. Right. So, I mean, if we think about it in the grand scheme of things, the soil's terrible. The air is awful. Water's poisoned with chemicals. The food supply is covered with pesticides. I mean, we have to ensure that we're getting high enough levels of nutrients to make sure that our bodies have the vitamins and minerals we need to actually operate, function, and detoxify this stuff out of our system. We have a built-in detoxification system, but we have to have the raw materials present to actually be able to function properly. It's like having a sports car in your garage, but if you don't have gasoline in the tank, it sure in the world can't run 150 mile an hour. Right. It's just not going to happen. And that's how we try to operate. We're, we're trying to operate on fumes around the, in this country. And we just can't do it anymore. We have to step back and say there's got to be a better way. And there is. You yeah. just have to go looking for it. So, you know, another argument that I hear is that I'm not sick or I don't take vitamins and I'm fine. And maybe so. But like I said, 80% of the deaths in this country can be directly attributable to chronic diseases. And chronic diseases are things that oftentimes are due to poor dietary choices and lack of exercise. So we're not getting the nutrition in our body and we're not moving. Right. My guess is eventually you will have one of those problems and maybe it won't be reversible at that point, but it's definitely preventable. Right. And and that's, that's where, what prevention is. Right. Prevention I, isn't early detection. I don't mean to cut you off, Aaron, but I get no, really I get really hyped up about this because Medicare wants to say, oh, well, come in for your wellness, one your annual wellness check. That's not an annual wellness check. That's an annual, let's see what we can find that's wrong with yeah, you to give a you a medication check. or a surgery to fix what you have because that's what we're doing. We're just waiting until you get a disease because they, 80% of the population is going to have that happen. That's ridiculous. We don't have to live that way. Yeah, they don't have anything to offer you as far as what you can do to prevent it, right. which is crazy um, because, you know, 
like you said, these things are preventable. And I think that's where, you know, a lot of the people that come in are frustrated and rightfully so. They should be frustrated because a lot of them have been doing what they were told by their doctors they should be doing. And then they end up with these chronic diseases. And that's frustrating. Right. Because they were trying to do the right things. It's one thing if you know that you are, you know, eating really poorly, you're not doing, you know, not keeping your stress levels down, you're not getting enough sleep, all of these things that we're told, you know, we know leads to chronic disease. But it's the frustration from the people who are doing things correctly from what their doctor had told them to do. Yeah, I get why they're frustrated. Right. Yeah, it's 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 very frustrating. And I mean... I don't know. I, we could go on about this. We could make. We could turn this into a part four. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's just tell them the other ways to uh, to correct this. All right. So, other things is like if you do have thyroid dysfunction, consider taking some sort of naturally desiccated thyroid um, medication to help thyroid function. Something that has T four and T three in it. Um, that's something that can that can be beneficial. But make sure that your organs, your your tissues are functioning at the way at, at optimal levels. Make sure that they're actually functioning. Don't just throw T3 at something if your liver is not able to convert or if your gut is all dysfunctional. Taking T3 is actually going to make you worse. It's going to make you jittery, anxious. Yes. It's going to give you diarrhea. It's going to create a whole host of problems. Trust me, I'm speaking from experience here because this is what people come in is their doctor is like, oh, you have autoimmune hypothyroidism. We need to you know, do this and you need to take this you know, armor thyroid, and then you need to take leothrionine, which is a T3 medication. And they're all jittery. They're, they don't know what to do. They can't sleep. They're anxious. And we're like, okay, stop. We, just because your low T3 is here on the labs doesn't mean that that's actually the issue. We've got to fix the rest of your body. We start fixing their gut. We start fixing their liver. We start fixing their, their rest of their tissues and giving them the nutrients they need. And miraculously, they start feeling better and they ha- don't have to take that stuff anymore. Right. And you get that more from a specialist because generally, you know, a normal practitioner of a GYN, um, are going to give you levothyroxine, you go right. to a specialist, they're more likely to say, oh, wait, maybe we need to consider something else. But if they're not looking at the whole body, they could still be getting it very wrong. Right. Yeah. If, if someone has low T3 syndrome, my, my favorite is when they're still in the normal range, but right on that lower, lower border, then they likely haven't been prescribed the medication. But if they're outside of that range, they've been given the prescription and we've got an issue. So, all right. So, Another thing that you can do is make sure that you're getting enough uh, doing things to decrease inflammation. We have cryotherapy available at the Institute of Natural Health. It's a great way to decrease total body inflammation. Extremely beneficial in that. It helps a ton. Um, Lastly, we talked about it a million times, diet. Get yourself tested for food sensitivities. It's important to know that you're eating the foods that are healthy for you, not just quote, health foods. Right, both IgG and IgA reactions. Right, they're extremely important. So I guess that wraps up our T3 symposium that we've had here at the uh, <laughs> Wellness 101. Thanks for listening. Um, go to our website, theinstituteofnaturalhealth.com. Follow us there on all of our social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and stuff like that. You can call us, 314-293-8123. For Aaron, I'm Dr. TJ. This has been Wellness 101.